Welcome to the Kelowna Real Estate Podcast with your host, award-winning realtor, Matt Glenn, and top producing mortgage broker, Taylor Atkinson. Professionals in the industry, enthusiastic entrepreneurs, and successful investors. When it comes to real estate, we're all in. Joey Alexandra Atkinson, welcome to the world. Taylor, I've been trying to find out why you haven't answered any of my calls in the last seven days. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. We uh, welcomed our little baby girl to the world January 4th. So so cute. And soaking it in. Relations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you know, it was a really cool way to do the surprise. Everyone said, uh, yeah, just go with the surprise. You don't get many like that in the world. And yeah, it was, yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So fortunately, yeah, I've got an amazing wife and partner and teammate. And yeah, she's just, she's been a rock and everything went really well. So things are good. I love it. That is fantastic. Yeah. Beck and I tried to, I mentioned not finding out until the day of, that was an immediate no. <laughs> Hell no. Yeah. Not evident. So yeah. good on you guys for doing that. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. That is fantastic. Yeah. It's been great. Not a lot of sleepless nights yet, but still juggling some work things. Yeah. You've been uh, putting out fires, looking great doing it too. got to say. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the market's kind of picked back up a little bit for me. Unfortunately, you know, that's the ticket. I agree. You want to get busy, have a busy, you know, like files on your yeah. desk in the delivery room. <laughs> this is like my motto. If you ever need some work in real estate, like to plan a vacation or a date night and you'll immediately be busy. Yeah. This is how yeah. it works. No, yeah. unfortunately, I've got somebody on my team that took over for those few days. And then, uh, yeah, I just got a commitment letter this morning for a client, subject free offer, closing in three weeks, no income. It was a bit of a scramble, but <laughs> glad we're getting it done for them. That is because you are a miracle worker. Yeah. What's going on with <laughs> miracles for you? So over the holiday, I started reading Hal Elrod's book, Miracle Morning. Yeah. Freaking awesome. I don't know why I didn't read this book earlier. He talks about the savers. The savers are like S is for silence or so meditation. A is for affirmations. V is for visualization. Visualize Visualization. Damn, I said it right. Nice. <laughs> e is for exercise. R is for reading. And S is for scribing or like journaling and it has been awesome like ever since we had our baby i used to wake up every single morning and work out and like have my own kind of morning routine and then jillian came around and i don't think i've done it one time since jillian came around just because like he's busy in the morning becca's usually up at night i'm trying to help her out and just the way it works out is that i just messed up my morning routine and i read this book and you just kind of get right back into how important it is so i've been doing it this year yeah new year new me kind of thing it's been an awesome way to start the morning like exercising is awesome that's something i've always done minus the last nine months but now i'm back into it and hopefully lose some weight for the love of god (laughs) thanks julian and then (laughs) <laughs> getting into meditation and my affirmations. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I think it's um, really powerful stuff, especially like, I can't remember. I think I read that book like 10 plus years ago. So I completely yeah. forget everything about it, except yeah, I, I remember how old Rod. Yeah. But like, it's not for everyone, maybe at this time in their life. Like you said, like you have a newborn, you kind of got to juggle things, put some things on pause, restructure. Yeah. But there's a lot of those books out there and coaches and people of influence and such a great way to start the year. I mean, speaking of that, so our guest today, Nick Kuzmich, yeah. massive social media guy, you know, he's got I don't know, like 25,000 followers, puts out some awesome daily content, really someone that just thinks outside of the box when it comes to mindset, takes a different approach to things. And 
Yeah, it was such a fun conversation. Yeah, sometimes a very different approach. To yeah, yeah, but that's what I mean, right? Yeah. Like some things are not yeah. for everyone. I'm sure he won't align with a lot of people or yeah. Miracle Morning might not work for some people at certain stages of life. But yeah. at some point, you got to kind of, uh, you know, pivot and be dynamic and try new things and set different goals. And yeah, it's about being fluid in life and always trying to kind of push the needle. So good for you for picking that book up and, you know, changing things up. Not that you needed it. You walked <laughs> away with a pretty big award this year, I think, from 2023. Yeah, you know, like 2023 was a good year for me in my business. And like, I know it wasn't like that for everyone. And the real estate market in general took a pretty big hit. So I'm super grateful for that. But like, you know, your business isn't the only part of your life, right? Like there's a the fitness side. Like, yeah. honestly, I was joking about it earlier, but like having Julian has ruined my fitness. I need to get right back into this. I used to be like at the gym every single day. And like now it's like once a week. The other morning, part of this miracle morning, I'm doing air squats. Air squats, dude. And like, I haven't been able to walk for three days. Like, that is not normal. Yeah. I used to go into the gym, throwing on two plates and repping out and not even noticing. And then to now, I do 12 air squats and my legs are wrecked. I have a little bit of sympathy for you being like, yeah, you know, got a newborn, not exercising. Yeah. But I'm still in the fresh mindset of watching my wife give birth to a baby. And it is like <laughs> incredible. Like, you know, I remember yeah. a couple of years ago when Leo yeah. came into the world and it's just such an amazing thing to be part of, oh, yeah. but to get back on track, yeah, you got to get rid of that baby body, Matt. Oh my God, dude. It's like, so you do don't I, even man. realize it. Yeah. I've had two clients in the last few months pat my belly oh. and like make a joke about it. Two, like things have got to change around here. You got to get different clients. Yeah. I mean, that's what I loved about <laughs> Nick, like his energy. It's so great that we're able to like swing for the fences and bring in some of these massive guests. And yeah, he came to the studio, super approachable, super open with yeah. this conversation. Was he your first guest in your new studio with a nice desk? With the new desk, I think. Yeah. 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 Good timing. Wow. Good timing, man. You timed that well. But he's yeah. he's legit, right? He's got a couple kids, work-life balance. You know, he just made a post the other day, like woke up, had an ice bath, did his workout, smashes out like a hard 90-minute work session where he's hyper-focused on work and then kind of does a few other things throughout the day and then does like another 90-minute session. Like he just has a really cool approach to a lot of different things. And And again, it's not for everyone. Like you can't just have like a one style of coaching. Yeah. But the general takeaway is try these different things just try to be better you know you know i think you're right the specifics are for everyone obviously like he's kind of does a lot of things a little differently but like i think his motivation and his inspiration is like pretty universal oh yeah right? like he just makes it happen But i mean even for like miracle morning book or any kind of mindset stuff like may not work for that person. I'm not just talking about Nick, but like, yeah, you just got to try these things, right? Yeah. And something's going to stick and then you pick and choose what works for you. Okay. So this think and grow rich. Yeah. I have read this book, honest to God, probably 30 times. And like, I just reread it. I obviously know every word, word for word. I know all the stories, but like just something about it just fires you up, right? Like that's my go-to when I need a mindset adjustment yeah. or I just feel like I just need my brain to get back on track i just reread that book and like it's not even like it's new information it's just so inspiring right so uh, there's a few books like that like that book think Girl rich is definitely my number one for that but there's a few other ones that are kind of along the same lines where it's not necessarily the specifics in them it's just like kind of the general way that you live your life yeah i think that's why it was important to have somebody like nick on just to give everyone a bit of a pep talk and get our juices flowing so yeah. we'll jump to the show but Give the guy a follow on social media. It has some awesome stuff out there. He's got email list, sign up for his Z list, 
sends out some information there. Yeah, just a great guy to follow and learn from. So And also, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. We usually have a lot of fun with this one, but it was extra special. It was a lot of fun day that day. Yeah. Okay. Enjoy the show, guys. And yeah, welcome to the world, little Joey. Yeah. Welcome to the world. Okay. Welcome to the show, Nick. Yeah. Thanks for stopping by. No, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to see where this conversation goes. We like to start our show with just what's your perfect Friday look like? Kind of productivity through a work day leading into the weekend. So if you could just kind of walk us through that. I love that question. I think what we're doing here is part of it. So I was in line with my kids about to watch a movie and we're with some of our close entrepreneurial friends who are out here in Kelowna. And we were talking about Mondays and like, how do we stack our Mondays? What do our Mondays look like? And of course, you know, we have a lot of American clients and Mondays typically fall on a holiday. And so it throws everything off. And Monday was my busiest day of the week. Set it up that way. And then he turns to me, a good friend, Dan Martell, and he goes, what are you doing? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, your primary workday should be Wednesday. And then if you want to do any other work, it goes on Tuesday and Thursday. So you have extended weekends of Monday and Friday where you don't work. Yeah. And I was like, Jesus Christ, why didn't I think of that? So I reevaluated everything I did. I made Wednesday my most productive day of the week. All my client calls, everything I got to do, any creative work, anything that I got to pump out. Tuesdays and Thursdays are like subsidiary work days. Mondays and Fridays are where I've got literally nothing in my calendar. So when an opportunity like this comes up, great. I've got nothing in my calendar. Let's take it. Yeah. You know, after this, I'm going for a haircut because my hair is getting long and shaggy. <laughs> I have a couple of coffee appointments where I just like to catch up with friends and yeah. that's a Friday for me. So my weekends start on Friday and they end on like late Monday. Yeah. When you do it that way, there's just something about habit stacking and work stacking to make your most productive busy days in the middle of the week. So yeah, going into the weekend, Friday is just like open schedules to allow for fluidity and to allow for conversations like this and meeting up with people and being intentional. I think that's another important thing. In the past, I was not intentional about maintaining or building new relationships. It's like, if someone called me, great. If something happened, great. Now, like when you have those days available to you, you can be intentional about, I had coffee in this morning just before I got here with a friend of mine who runs one of the biggest companies here in Kelowna. It's intentional about building the most important asset that we have on the planet. And that's relationships. Like you can take my business away from me. You can take my health away. You can take all that. You can't take my relationships. And with that, I could probably rebuild everything that I currently have right now. So yeah, yeah it's a typical Friday. Man, that's awesome. You just summarized basically a 40-minute podcast in a one. Beautiful. That's <laughs> awesome. Everybody work yeah. on Wednesday. Yeah. Stack your Wednesdays. Yeah. Well, on build relationships. I mean, it is very true. I think we were talking about this just previous before recording. It's like you can be way more efficient with your time if you're in the right mindset for it. So if you take two days out of the week, Monday and Friday, and you're down to three, Obviously, you can get just as much done, if not more. If not more. And I mean, let's not, you know, kid ourselves. Does it mean that we might check an email on a Friday? Yeah. And like, is this work that we're doing? To a certain degree, there's some work here involved. So I'm not saying you like sit on the beach and do absolutely nothing unless that's what it calls you. Like in the summertime, my wife and I will drop our kids off in the morning at 830 and then we'll go out on the water and surf for three hours or so, just the two yeah. of us. Because prior to moving to Kelowna, I didn't even know wake surfing existed. Yeah. And then I came here and someone told me like, you could do this. I'm like, what the heck is this? Yeah. So Fridays are for that as well. So like, let's not get that wrong. But yeah, Dean Jackson came up with this beautiful model. And he goes, if you're trying to go from point A to point B, there's two ways you can do it. And you have to ask one question. The most inefficient way is asking, how do I achieve that? So if I want to go from A to B, how do I achieve B? And the path to get there is extremely long. Because now you've got to figure out, okay, what do I need to learn? course do I need to take? It's this path that takes a long time to get there. He goes, the far better question is not asking, how can I do this? It's who can do it for me? 
And a simple shift of asking who, not how. And we're just going back to the whole relationship thing. Mind is conditioned in such a way where if I need to get something done, don't care the how. I don't want to know the how because I know if I get involved in the how, I'm screwed. Yeah. But if I can just ask who, and usually that starts with your inner circle of the relationships and then going out from there, far more productive. You can get way more done and you can think about focusing on your unique ability and your talent and things that you love to do and then allow other people and their unique ability to figure it out. So super important question, but I think it can solve a lot of people's issues of collapsing time and getting things done far faster. So true. I mean, you look at people running successful businesses and they're very good at delegating and making those connections, right? That was just it. So what's been interesting for me is when I first started getting into my business, I'm in marketing, I was the talent. Like I knew the buttons to push to make the marketing happen and who, you know, all that. And I think the deception that I have is a lot of people who step into an entrepreneurial role don't actually want to be an entrepreneur. They like the beautiful halo effect of being an entrepreneur, but what they actually are signing up for is to be a CEO. That's a different role. A CEO is an operator who runs the business. An entrepreneur is a visionary who casts the vision and hires people to make the business happen. So it was like a 10-year transition for my mind to click from oh shit, I've been a CEO this whole time and I'm a terrible CEO. Like, what am I doing? I'm not an operator. I don't know the ins and outs working with people. And then slowly it started to shift. Oh, I shouldn't be an operator. I should be an entrepreneur. And that changed everything. So like we have our marketing business and we have this other business that I was talking to you about. But what I love about this other business is that I don't have the skill set to create success in this business. So I'm forced, I have no other choice but to bring the right people around me to run and fulfill this business. And I think a good indication of whether or not you're a CEO or an entrepreneur is if you decided to take a six month vacation and you came back, is that business growing and more thriving than before you left it? Or is it in the shambles because you were away for six months? Yeah. And if it's in the shambles, you're a CEO, man. You're not an entrepreneur. And you've got to be thinking about how do I make more efficient use of my time? How do I hire some great people? How do I have people around me to help this business achieve the thing that it needs to achieve? You know, like it just resonates a lot with agents. Sure. You know, right. You're everything. Like you are. Most agents are everything. They're the marketer. They're the... Yeah. The they're accountant, the, the HR. The administrator. The, the, yeah. The face, everything, right? So like, yeah, there'd be a major shift to do that for a lot of people. Yeah. I think a lot of it is, it's like, you don't necessarily have to now then go out and become a broker, which is the next thing. Oh, well, yeah. I'll just have a broker and get a team. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you're not qualified. Maybe you don't have the skill set to do that. But there is an encouragement to think about like, if you've got into real estate, there must be some of the things that you enjoyed about it. Your dad yeah. Sullivan calls it the unique ability. Like, what is it that you're just great at? Maybe it's the relationships and the people, but you hate the paperwork. You hate finding the deals. You hate penning them. You hate all that stuff. You hate the follow-up. So great. That is an opportunity to find someone to do the stuff that you're not great at, that you hate. So you could focus on the very thing that you're good at. So even in the situation of being a real estate agent, there are plenty different ways where you could think about how do I leverage myself and stay in my lane and allow the people around me who are way better at it anyways to do the things that I cringe at thinking about when I wake up anyway. How does somebody know, like somebody's listening to this, it resonates, it goes, yeah, absolutely. I should just focus on this. I should stay in my lane. How do you know what you're good at and what you're best 
productive skills are? Oh, it's such a great question. I wish there was an easy answer. And for me, like I'm a slow learner. <laughs> like, I, I, I wish I could say I get the lesson the first time. You know, there's that advice where you can learn from your own mistakes or other yeah. people's mistakes. Like I don't learn from either. I just need the universe to beat the hell out of me multiple times. I made this video the other day, like the universe speaks to you like first with a flick and then a shove and then a punch in the face and then a full out tackle. Like I'm the tackle guy. The world just needs to tackle me before I learn the lesson. But I think a lot of it just has to do with putting in the reps. I mean, I hate people out there saying, oh, follow your passion. How the fuck do you know what you're passionate about unless you start doing stuff? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Like if you said, do you love wake surfing, Nick? Like I didn't know what that was. Yeah. So how could I say I'm passionate about it? And then the first few times I went out on there, like I'm drowning. I'm being dragged behind a boat, sucking up water. And I'm like, this is not really all that fun. But I put in the reps and I'm like, okay, now I'm starting to get it. And then very quickly after you put in the reps and the time, do you realize, oh, I'm good at this or I'm not, or I enjoy it or I don't. So I think the old saying was like, do what you love. My perspective is love what you do. Like just do it. And if you love it after the reps and keep going, and if you don't, then then you start to recognize, okay, well, this is not something for me. And I think one of the the skill sets that a lot of people don't have is self-awareness. It's just like, yes, I'm good at this or no, I'm not. Yes, I enjoy this or no, I don't. We're just trying to do a bunch of stuff that we're told to do because that's the right thing to do or that's the entrepreneurial type thing to do. And so we're wondering like, why am I upset and why don't I like things and why don't I have a good mindset and why, why, why? And it's just like, we're probably just not self-aware enough to know this is what I like, this is what I don't, this is what I'm good at, this is what I'm not. So yeah, people are afraid to put in the reps, but I think over the reps, you start to quickly realize whether or not you like something or passionate about something or you're good at something for that. I think also, yeah, looking back and reflecting on how it went, like in real estate, I know like selling real estate, like there's highs and there's lows. Sure. Like my first year, I just felt like I was either on the moon or like depressed. Yeah. Like I was like, nothing I have, in I between. More like even in the middle, right? And then totally. you kind of reflect on when things go south, you reflect on what made it go south. Or things go good. What did I do to make that good? And then you just do more of the good things and less of the bad things. And really, now I'm in a point in my career where I am kind of in the more middle. Like there are obviously peaks and valleys still, yeah. but like, it's just hard to live that way. That is a great point. Like hindsight, right? And that's, yeah. you know, releasing this in January, you got to look back at the previous year and figure out what was good, what was bad, how to cut out the bad, how to focus yeah. on the good. And just, you know, every year is going to get better that way. So like my wife and I just spent four hours in our 2024 planning yesterday. So we just rented a boardroom. We sat down. We did exactly what you said. Like the first part was like worked in 2023. Yeah. What do we want to continue to do? Because it just lit us up was a total failure. Like, what do we want to absolutely start doing? And like such a simple exercise, but some of us never take the time to reflect and just be thinking about which of these things do I want to continue to do? So it's just like making the same mistakes over and over again, like getting to the tackle point and then you just get tackled again and again and again. It's just like, come on. you know. I love that though. Like Emily and I used to do that more frequently now that we're a little bit busier with kid, maybe it's a bit of an excuse, but like those exercises in four hours, you can change your next year. You can change the trajectory of your life. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. A lot of people are just afraid to do it for some reason. Yeah. Or they come up with the excuse if I don't have enough time. But anytime I hear an excuse for anything, like, you know, we're all in the business of sales, whether it's selling real estate, selling a mortgage, selling this, selling a service or selling whatever. I've come to realize now that in the role of sales, we are not actually salespeople. We are life coaches and not certified life coaches by any means. But what I generally hear if someone says, comes up with some sort of an objection, I'm not ready. I don't have enough time or whatever. All that really means is there's some subconscious fear in there that says, I don't want to face myself or I've got burned in the past. I'm not willing to like throw out the burnt toe. Like there's just 
actual, whatever we hear someone say is not what they're actually saying. There's something beyond that. And that's when we got to put on our role of a life coach and be like, okay, well, let's explore that further. What fear is holding you back from that? Yeah. Well, I don't have, no, no, no. Like, let's just be frank. What is holding you back from buying this house that you've set your mind to? And they're going to come up with all a bunch of excuses. And then you get to the core of it. Oh, it was because one time I bought a house. It didn't work out, blah, blah, blah. And then you have to like coach them through that. We live in a world, especially like in a TikTok world where everything's in 15 second sound bites, where people aren't prepared to just get quiet for a second and look inward and reflect and like think about what worked and what didn't. Because I think a lot of us are afraid of what we're going to find. Yeah. But that is our key to just kind of moving on. So, well, I mean, we dove into this conversation pretty quick. What is it that you do for your business then? Like media marketing, life coach, you have multiple businesses. Do you want to give us kind of a elevator pitch on those? On the surface, I mean, the easiest way for people to understand it is we've got a marketing business and that marketing business means one of two things. Either we coach and consult people on how to be better at acquiring clients for their business or we have an agency that just does that for them. So depending on where people are at, either like you do everything, Nick, you're and your team, take it over, or why don't you teach and consult us on how to do that? And that's like any business or mostly real estate or what are you focused on? Yeah, so how we define it now and where we've really come in, this is part of self-reflection. Like when I look back at my last 20 years of business and I said like, who do we help the most? We've defined it now as we help businesses primarily who require some sort of a sales conversation that sells something of high value, right? So whether that's a coaching business selling a $10,000 coaching program, whether it's a real estate transaction where someone's spending $400,000 on a home or whatever, whenever there's a high value transaction that requires some sort of a sales conversation and that business needs to generate a qualified lead, we're in the business of qualified lead generation for high ticket businesses. That's where we've kind of like really, really found our sweet spot. Nice. We're from Kelowna, but we're all over. Yeah. So I live in Kelowna now. I was in Toronto, moved here about two years ago, but our entire team is virtual and all of our client base. I would say 90% of our client base is in the US, some in Canada, some Australia, some Europe, but most of the heavy lifting happens in the States now. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty big market to go after. It's a big market. And frankly, like there was this whole thing, Tim Ferriss wrote a book many, many years ago called the four hour work week. Yeah. And one of the hacks in there was like, if you can make money in US dollar, spend it in rupiah and hire in pesos, you win. And it's just the idea of like hiring outside help where you pay in pesos, but you live in somewhere that takes rupiah, like yeah. Indonesia or Bali or something like that, but you charge in US dollar, like you've hacked the system. That is what I did for like 10 years. I did so that without knowing. I was talking, I was like, man, this is- So you win. Hired Taylor right now. Yeah, Taylor, you win. <laughs> But for me, like part of it is, yeah, obviously there's a much bigger market. We found that the Canadian market is very conservative when it comes to spending money investing in their own business. Americans were fed this white picket fence dream of like, you can achieve it all. And so they're willing to invest in themselves, into their businesses. And so, yes, there's a bigger market, but it also helps that the American dollar is stronger than the Canadian dollar. And so every dollar that we sell in US dollars is a dollar thirty Canadian. I get a 30% bump every time I make a sale. Yeah. So yeah. it's a nice little extra win in there. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so I found you, just you popped up on my Instagram feed. I'm sure people will- Literally randomly. Well, I think Dina Steele, who we love, she's yeah, been yeah, on the yeah. show she's a couple great. times. She yeah. followed you and it showed up. Shout out to Dina. Yeah, she's So great. I was just like, oh, this is interesting. And like, I followed some of your videos and they're great videos. And then I saw this giant needle coming <laughs> into your brain, injecting stem cells. And I'm like, yeah, I want that's our to thing. feel- youth and ambition and like this is my secret answer yeah. so yeah i reached out to you can you talk about how to be the best person then because you're trying everything yeah. medical 
anything, yeah. mindset, coaching. Yeah. So how do people become the best person in 2024? Oh, such a great and deep question. I mean, for me, I got to say for better or for worse, like a lot of my decisions are made based on like minor PTSD. <laughs> Here's what I mean by that. The reason why I got into health in the first place, because I witnessed my father have his first heart attack when I was four years old. I spent probably 17 years in and out of hospital with him until he passed away in 2005. And he had two four inch binder thick medical files. Like he had everything but diabetes, literally. Witness him suffer. He wasn't around to see me get married. He wasn't around to meet his grandchildren. So something in my mind just clicked and said, I'm going to be around for my grandchildren. And I don't blame him for that. He yeah. had a rough life. But I just said, for me, I'm going to be around to meet my grandchildren. I want to walk my daughter down the aisle. Like So I started studying and I started looking at, like for my dad, for example, like I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not here to throw anybody under the bus. But the traditional medical system let him down, yeah. right? And they spun him around. And, and again, it was just, that's all we knew at the time. But I said, there's got to be something else out there. So that kind of spawned me into the understanding of alternative health and what does that mean and how can you live your best and what does it mean to do that? And so that was another reason why I got into quote unquote entrepreneurship is my parents, when I was born, owned a convenience store. It was a 24 hour convenience store and dad worked the 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. shift. And mom worked the 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. shift. And most of the time when I wasn't in school, I was sleeping behind the counter where they sold Playboy magazines and cigarettes. Like that was my life. And so I remember, again, some PTSD where I was like, that's not my life. I'm not going to do this. And I was an only child. And then my father had his third stroke, which made him and my mom had to give up their their business. I put it in quotes and barely enough to pay the bills, but it was there. And so he couldn't work anymore. My mom went out for a job interview being an immigrant woman when she was in her like late 50s. And she came back home crying because they didn't give her the job because she couldn't speak English. So I made a decision, a mental decision right at that point where I saw my mom. I said, I don't know how I'm going to figure this out, but I'm going to figure this out. Like I'm not going to let my folks go through this. So I say that preface from the standpoint that a lot of the decisions that got me into what I'm doing now is because of a difficult situation that pushed me into that direction. So I got into entrepreneurship, but then health became a very important thing to me. And I basically met with some of the best doctors and functional medicine people in the world. And I said, use me as a guinea pig, like stuff that may not be quote unquote legal to do. So like 10 years ago, I was injecting peptides and all sorts of stuff into my body. And technically when you get the vial of peptides, it says this is for non-human research purpose only use. I'm like, I don't care. Let's go. Right <laughs> now, peptides are a real thing and a lot of people are using it, but a decade ago it wasn't. So it just put me onto this path of challenging the norm because the norm just created status quo and I didn't want to be status quo. So how do I be a better person? How do I be a more healthy? How do I be a better entrepreneur? What are the paths that I need to take to do that? And the traditional means weren't cutting it. So you know, for example, stem cells were all a rage. And I'm like, okay, well, if it's a rage, like, let's go. And everyone's injecting it into their bodies or putting it in IV. And I said, what about my brain? Can you get it in my brain? I want my brain lit up. And there was one clinic that I knew. I'm sure, there's more, but there's one clinic that I found out in Salt Lake City, Utah that did it. So I'm like, all right, let's go. Like, literally, it's an eight inch needle. They stick up your nose and put in the blood brain barrier and inject stem cells into it. Now, did that do anything? I have no idea. Yeah. Right? You can't measure it. Like, you can't see the little stem cells going in there. But the case in point is, you know, if we go back to the question of like, how do we be the best version of ourselves in 2024? First is goes back to the beginning of our conversation. It's like, do some self-reflection to see like, where are the areas in my life where I might be lacking? Is it in my understanding as an entrepreneur? Is it my understanding in my health? Are there areas in my areas in my mental well-being? And that's another thing. Like for me, 
I was a personal development junkie, read the books, attended the seminars, did the rah-rah. And I was like, oh, well, I've got the vision board up there and nothing on my vision board is happening. So I must be doing it wrong. Or there might be other ways to unlock potential. And so, you know, we we're talking offline a little bit. I think it was 2018 was the first time I engaged in psychedelic assisted therapy. And just for the record, that is the usage of psychedelic drugs for the purpose of therapy. Under clinical settings, you're not at a rave or a party snorting something you don't know what it is and dancing the night away. We're talking about in clinical settings. And that unlocked a whole new level of understanding who I am, what makes me tick, and why do I have these weird patterns in my life that repeat themselves over and over and over that are not serving me? And how do I trash those patterns and reestablish new ones? So I think that the long-winded answer is, A, do some self-reflection and start to see what areas of my life am I not thrilled about? And then based on that, Depending on your comfort level, are you prepared to start delving into areas where now the elite, the top 1%, what are the top 1% athletes doing for their health? What are the top 1% entrepreneurs doing for their business? What are the top 1% people who've figured out their mindset doing in that? And then see how close you're willing to go down that path. And then I'll start unlocking some things and getting a little closer. How long are those? I mean, that was amazing. There's a lot to unpack there. Sure. How long are those therapy sessions? Depending on the molecule. Okay. Right. So generally, if you're working with something like MDMA or psilocybin, that's technically like a four to six hour experience because that's how long it takes your body to metabolize the molecule. And in that time, you're with a therapist who's talking you through some stuff and helping you work through stuff. My wife and I facilitate experiences with 5-MeO. If you're not familiar with it, don't look it up on the internet. You'll see some pretty scary things about it. And I recognize by saying, don't look it up on the internet, everyone's <laughs> going to now look it up on the internet, unfortunately. But like 5-MeO is considered one of the most powerful entheogens. I don't even put it in the same class as the psychedelic. And that is a fast acting, the experience probably lasts about 20 minutes but you feel like you're locked in eternity during that time. So it all depends on what you're looking for. I believe these are tools in a tool belt and depending on what you're looking to accomplish. But yeah, anywhere from six hours to a short 20 minutes can, can unveil some pretty profound and, and, and powerful does, things. Does somebody then like do the initial consultation and say, I think we should go this direction and try this molecule and this dosage? Yeah, there's obviously some coaching. Yeah, there definitely needs to be some guidance around that. I mean, a great example is like right now, I'm a candidate for, unfortunately, five-level artificial disc replacement surgery. So I have five discs, three in my neck and two in my lower back that are completely degenerated. I'm not going to say the only viable solution, but a viable solution is to have those discs completely removed and replaced with titanium fake artificial discs. But same world, like there's there's hundreds of people who can do it. 10 world-class people who've done over 10,000 of these surgeries in their lifetime. And then even then, there's five, six, seven different discs to choose from, right? So I can't just go on the internet and say who and which disc, like on my own. You need. Yeah. I, I've been speaking with professionals saying, okay, based on my situation, which disc would work best for me? What are the ramifications around that? What is the risk? Which person is the best person suited to be able to do this for me? It's the same sort of thing in this world. Like you just don't want to dive in and be like, oh, I'm going to go on the internet. And unfortunately, you could go on the internet and order some of these molecules and these substances directly to your house and be very hazardous with it and cause some serious problem if you go that route. So yeah, there's some consultation required. It's what are your goals? What are you looking to accomplish? What are you looking to do? And then based on that, working, and I have to emphasize this, working with a trained facilitator 
who has the training, has the licenses, who's aware of what they're doing to be able to take you through this type of experience. But if you're willing to go that far, like the unlocks on the other side are pretty powerful. What about meditation? You do meditation at the same time? or Yeah. Funny thing is, is like never really knew what meditation was. Like to me, it was like sitting with your legs crossed in an yeah. ohm thing and like just have your fingers touch and like be silent. And I could never do that. Like I'm clinically diagnosed ADD. I sure many of us are. Yeah. But I just couldn't do that. My brain would not function in that capacity. One of my friends, Doug Breckman, wrote a book called Driven, used to be a former Navy SEAL. And he had this great experience where he calls it eye-open meditation, but you do it while you're shooting sniper rifles. Because he says that when I was in the Navy and I had to snipe someone, I can't ohm and get all quiet in a corner somewhere. I'm in a live fire combat experience. So how do I have the experience of meditation with my eyes open in a high stress environment? And so I had that experience with him and that unlocked a couple of things for me. Then I realized that meditation might not be what I assumed it was. So yeah, there are some meditation that I do, but for me, just because of how my brain works and it goes back to self-awareness, the only way I can truly meditate is with some sort of a guided meditation program versus if you just play some music and ask me to like follow my thoughts, my brain chemistry does not allow for that. But definitely, yeah, any form of mindfulness to any degree. Just so allows. a lot of people that meditate kind of get to that transitory experience that they use with drugs. Until they have the real experience. Yeah, like you can get pretty damn close. Yeah. And I'm sure there's certain people, again, in monasteries who have committed to a year of silence and really understood meditation like a Shaolin level where you can get close to that. How can I get there faster, quicker, easier with less work kind of guy? No doubt, breath work, meditation, all parts of our practice. My wife and I do an upregulated breath work every morning, a quick five minute. We do about a 20 minute downregulated breath work right before bed. It's great, it's beautiful, can take you into some like trance-like states if that's your jam. But when we need to do some really deep work, then we'll rely on certain proven molecules to help us get there, yeah. Those facilities are in Kelowna. That's your other business. So yeah. And right now, fortunately or unfortunately, you know, these things are popping up all over the world. This idea of psychedelic assisted therapy is becoming more mainstream because universities like John Hopkins University has done clinical trials for the last decade around like former soldiers and PTSD and what that does and how ketamine helps depression, particularly like medication resistant depression. So there's tons and tons of studies that are now bringing this more mainstream. Even in Kelowna, there's probably a handful of clinics that will do some sort of psychedelic assisted therapy. And then, you know, off the record, which you got to be careful about, but there's tons of people. I know I was speaking at a medical conference two months ago in October, and all these doctors who are functional medicine doctors and nutrition doctors and this and that, they all now offer some sort of ketamine or MDMA type experience within their clinics now. So it's just becoming a lot more mainstream, which is again a good thing, but also just something you got to be careful about because now everybody and their mother is offering this in some location in a basement, which you want to avoid. So, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, to go back to the stem cell part, it's interesting. I mean, obviously there are some effects that you can pinpoint, yeah. you know, what's working and what's not. I heard about NAD on yeah. podcast. So yeah. I, I do did, a lot of NAD as well. Yeah. So I did that with natural paths and like, yeah. I don't know if it's just in my head, but I'm like, okay, I see a little bit clearer, you know, articulating better. I feel younger because it's supposed to fuel the mitochondria. Yeah. So like there's a lot of science behind it, but you just don't really know. It's not like you can then take a blood test, you know, the next day and be like, oh my God, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm younger. I, think, clock is I think that's the key. So there's a new thing out that I was looking at called V-cells. So it's the next level stem cells. V-cells, stupid name. It's very small embryonic-like cells is what V-cells stand for. 
The problem with stem cells that they found is that the cells, as small as they are, they're too big to pass the blood-brain barrier. And there's only two ways to get stem cells. One is from your own bone marrow. So if you're a 46-year-old adult male who's lived a rough life, you're going to pull stem cells out of your bone marrow. It's going to be 46-year-old representing a pretty rough life. The opposite is embryonic stem cells, which are pulled from the placenta of a willing donor. The tricky part about that is that they're not yours. They're somebody else's. And so there still has to be some anecdotal study as to like, how does that affect you when you're taking someone else's embryonic cells? V-cells are interesting in that when you're born, V-cells go deep into your cells and they stay a week old. And what doctors have been trying to figure out and scientists have been trying to figure out is how do we access these cells? We know they're there. How do we access them? Because they are your own cells benefit and they're only a week old and they only stay a week old forever. Another benefit. The hard part that they've tried to crack is how do you get them? Finally, I think it was like five or six, seven years ago, Dr. Todd out of California found that there's a certain laser that can be shot at blood, similar to PRP. If you're familiar with PRP, take the blood out, you spin it, pull out the platelet part and re-inject it into human. They found that there's a way that they can blast this blood with laser and it separates out the V cells. And now you can then take those V cells and put them into an IV back in your body. And that same laser that extracted them, you can actually pinpoint certain areas of the body and the V cells go there. Super fascinating, but again, the evidence is still young. There are certain tests, for example, that can tell you your biological age and your whatever age. I forgot the other word for it, right? So if you know I'm a 41-year-old male, but my other age, based on the growth of my cells and whatnot, I could be a 56-year-old man or I could be a 20-year-old man, like based on how my cells are functioning. One study that they did show is that anyone who has done V-cells has reversed their biological age by three years every time they've done it. So that's actually like studied. So it's just interesting tech out there, but that's another point. Like I would advise it if anyone's going down the health stream, it's find a functional medicine doctor. And why I like functional medicine doctors is because they're both medical doctors with a capital M and have real degrees, but they're also understanding that the body is a very complex organism and just traditional medicine won't cut it. So you bring those two together. You find a functional medicine doctor who's like cutting edge on stuff that's working, stem cells, V cells, peptides, this. You go get some blood work done and your blood and your stool and your hair and you do all the work. And then they'll be able to come back and say, well, based on what we're looking at, here's a protocol that would be designed for you over the next six months. You do blood work all the way through, you track the results of that. And as long as it's being measured and you're seeing more than anecdotal evidence, you're seeing real evidence of progress in everything, I think we're on the right track of being able to make some forward progress in those things rather than, like you said, you take something, you take a pill, you're saying like, I kind of feel better, but I'm not sure what it's actually doing. Although I'm a big fan of NAD, I think everyone should consider that. But yeah, people I think are just afraid to measure. People are afraid to see does it actually work? My brother was at a conference a few months ago and he was telling me about it. And one of the speakers said, you know, we are dying too early. We should be living until we're 110, 120. Sure. Yeah. This is all like simple stuff that we can achieve. So I guess what is the end goal that you're trying to achieve by this? Just to live like a more compact, healthier, productive life or a longer life? It's a great question. To me, time is less relevant. Like if I could live till I'm 110, 120, as long as it's a healthy, good life, I'll take it. If it's a shitty, decrepit, take me sooner. There's no point to that. You know, there's a lot of studies going around on regenerative health and like anti-aging and how long can we live. My goal is just, again, based on some of the PTSD I've had with my father, I want to be the best and the healthiest version of me until the day that I die. And when I die, I want to be because I've closed my eyes and I just haven't woken up. I don't want to be because my cells stop functioning. And there's going to be some of that. Our bodies naturally will decay over time. 
But when I go, I want to go healthy. Yeah. I want to be there for my kids and my grandkids. And if I'm fortunate enough, maybe my great grandkids. I don't want my wife to be widowed because I didn't take care of my body. And now she's stuck, you know, in this life without me. People around me that are important to me not get the best version of me when I show up every single day. So yeah. it's motivated for myself, but obviously also for those around Have me. you read uh, Peter Atia's book, Outlive? No. It talks about this, like health span and lifespan. Like having a lifespan longer than a health span really doesn't make any sense. Uh, I don't want to live in your right. bed. But goes through like all the things that you can do to get a longer health span and lifespan. And lifespan it's, together. It's a really, it's a great book. What's the name of that book? Outlive. Outlive. I like yeah. that. I'll look at it's that. It's a really emphasis on the four horsemen he calls them. So like type 2 mm -hmm. diabetes, cancer, heart disease and one other one yeah the big but killers it, though yeah like the four main killers get to get through them but yeah uh, it's an awesome book i listened to the audiobook and read the hard copy book well book. the interesting to taylor's point is like it's not that difficult to be healthy like yeah. it's not that difficult to lose yeah. weight we know what you we gotta, have to gotta do. go into it intentionally and i think the reasons why we don't is not because we don't know what to do because we all yeah. know what to do there's no excuses especially with the internet well, TikTok. That, yeah. That's the biggest thing. Like right now is the easiest time to, to learn and access how to do anything. Yeah. yeah. It's all there. We all know being on our phone six hours a day isn't good. We yeah. need to have a better sleep pattern. We shouldn't watch TV and eat munchies before bed. Like these are just such simple, simple things habits. like get some exercise. Yeah. But like you said before, we are, I guess, leaning on excuses more. We're saying we're busy. We got to work. We got to do this. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of that just comes down to like, there are conversations going on in our head that we may or may not be known about that is just preventing us from wanting to do that. Like I heard a quote, it challenged me at the beginning, but now I'm warming up to it that says, you only bring into your life that which you feel you're worthy of. And at first I'm like, ah, bullshit, like, come on. But then when I look back in my life and I'm like, hey, the times I wanted a better relationship or the times I wanted more money or the times I wanted whatever it was, and I'm recognizing I don't have those things. When I actually sat with myself, I'm like, you know what? There are some narratives or stories going on in my head that says you're not worthy of that for whatever reason. And that's kind of why we started to do the work we do in the personal development side of things is because I've been a performance-based marketer as long as I can remember. And I would have like two identical people come into a consultation with me, same business, same everything, like assume all things equal. Yet one person would get like 10x the result and the other person wouldn't be any better off four months later. And it boggled my mind because I'm like, I'm the same guy. I'm providing the same consulting. They're getting the same information. They have the same business. They're doing everything identical. Yet one guy takes off and the other guy doesn't. And I started thinking, why is that? And the more I started to delve into it, again, I started to recognize, and again, I don't want to overemphasize, it's your mindset. It kind of is. There are stories and there are patterns that we've established one way or another, whether it's a story someone told us growing up or whatever, but we've got these patterns inside our brain and inside our mind that unconsciously control every decision we make. And so if you're trying to kick a coffee addiction, willpower isn't going to work. And we've seen that over and over and over again. So if that's not going to work, then what is? Well, let's get back into the story that's causing you to think that you need this every morning or whatever it is. And when you can start unlocking that, then you can start to see behavioral change in people's lives. So. Yeah. You know, I actually thought about that a little bit this morning. So when Matt was coming over, one thing I read a while ago was it's how you phrase certain mm -hmm. words. So I was like, hey, don't forget your mic because we did a virtual recording before. But like instantly I know instead of saying that, I should say, hey, remember your mic. Sure. And it's the same if you want to kick a habit. Instead of being like, oh, I don't want to drink coffee anymore. It's like, Oh, I'm going to stop. Like, it's just yeah. really simple Semantics, changes, but, but we just get used to this norm. But yeah, uh, whether people like to admit it or not, like words are energy and they carry intention behind it. 
right? It's why if I call someone a very nasty name, like it affects them emotionally. Like, how is that? It's a sound that's come out of my mouth, but that can completely ruin someone day for hours on end. So obviously there's something to say about that. So yeah, I think a careful selection of words. And we're just, again, I think at this point and where we are in civilization, we're unintentional with the words that we use. We don't think about what we say before we say it, and we just do it as creatures of habit. And as a result, like, are they serving us or are they not? And if we're more intentional about the words that we use, I think we can produce, I mean, it's one baby step, but we produce better results. Yeah. Okay. I want to talk about one more thing before we get into our wrap up questions. It resonated with me as well. So my dad passed away when I was young too, when I was six for heart disease. So similarities there. And that really gave me a lot of drive as well. Like you, you know, I wanted to be there for my family and I wanted to, you know, create some wealth so I could spend some time with my family. And that's where a lot of that drive comes from. Like we all have kids. How do you pass that on to your kids knowing that that's where you came from and that's kind of what built your character? And I'm thinking about this a lot lately right now. Like, do I just pass on a good life to my kid and then try and coach them positively? Or do you try and limit their inheritance a little bit and give them a harder upbringing to start with like how do you Uh, how do you do that yeah it's such a difficult question because you're kind of like they say empires are made with wooden claws but they fall with silk slippers yeah you know (laughs) like but it is very much that because part of it it's to your point like i grew up in hardship right and so i made some decisions that i don't want to be that way now that i've achieved this lifestyle like you know for better or for worse my kids don't know what it means to fly economy like how fucking dumb is that and like, literally, we might book a flight to Vancouver. And my son's like, is it the flatbeds that we get to sleep on? I'm like, it's a 45-minute flight, you little <laughs> punk. Like, what's wrong with you, kid? But on the other hand, like, you know, to your point, I didn't grow up with any of that. And I don't want my kids to have that hardship. But where's the line? I want my kids to know and to create an abundance mindset that if they set their mind to something, they can have whatever they want to achieve to a certain degree. But I don't want them to think that it comes for free. So, you know, we do what we can to be intentional about teaching them. I'm perfectly confident and comfortable putting my kids in difficult situations. Like my kids will be like, you know, maybe they'll start soccer or they join jujitsu or whatever and they want to quit. I'm like, you can't quit. Well, there's two things you got to do. One, you got to see it through to the end of the term, whatever that means. Secondly, you've got to go to your sensei and look him in the eyes and say, I'm quitting. I'm not going to do that for you. So it's up to you. But if you want to do that, you've got to tell him and you've got to see what he's going to say and you've got to navigate that world. So yeah, it's a fine balance. I heard this great story where a guy bought his daughter her dream car when she was 16. It was like a Corvette. I think that's what she wanted or whatever. And then brought it to the mechanic and asked the mechanic to take it apart completely and said, daughter, you can drive this car when you put it back together with the mechanic. And I was like, oh, I might not do that, but there's something good about that. And apparently if the story is accurate, like it took her a year and a half or something, spending a couple hours a day, every day over at the mechanics, putting this car back together. But when she had it, my God, the appreciation she had for it. I like that. Right. That's awesome. And then I think the last thing, and this is something my wife and I are contemplating, forgot the author, but there's a book called Die With Zero. And the intention is a lot of us are saying, well, we're going to build up this fortune for our kids to take over and build a legacy and whatever. And the book actually says that that's one of the most harmful things you could do for a lot of people. So the intention is whatever you're doing, however massive amounts of wealth you want to build to this day, you have to die with zero. You have to give it away. You have to do something with it, but there's no inheritance you're allowed to pass on to your children. I don't know fully where I stand with that yet, 
but I do like that idea. There's an entertainment there because yes, I do want to help my kids, but not to the point where they don't have to do anything and realize like they can just have it that way. Like there has to be some level of responsibility, some level of earning, some level of like, welcome to the real world. And this is what it is. So it's a great question and one that we are continuing to navigate, but I have not figured out just It's yet. such a tough one because you think about your life, like my life, the way I got here. So a lot of my lessons are things that I just saw my dad do or saw my parents sure. do. Like, I do not want that. Right. Like, and it's just, that's a hard lesson because I've been the same thing with my son. Like, I want to live the best I can. Yeah. But then he's never going to learn if I do that all the time. Like, like how do you teach them work ethic? Without them working, yeah, <laughs> they definitely. Like, I, like I got a job when I was eleven, right? I got work. I think I don't want my kid to work when he's eleven, <laughs> but yeah, maybe I, we do. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like, I was zero, so like I think you know, for a millionaire, I, I forget what the stat is, but you know, to make your first million, it takes say ten years. But if you go bankrupt, you could do it like instantly. I'll make it back over and over again, for sure. So if you can pass on that knowledge, and not just with money, but anything in life, like yeah. pass a, how to create relationships or health, wealth, etc. Like that's the tricky part. If you yeah. can teach them that, then yeah, you could die with zero and they could pick whatever they want and be successful. Yeah, at. I think that's a great point. And I think that's what it comes back to is like, if we can put some intention behind that, I expect my kids to just follow my example or like listen to what I say or whatever. I think I could definitely be more intentional about teaching them lessons so that if they were put in a situation, oh, great example. We went skiing for the first time this year on Sunday you know, we've only been here for two or three years. So we're as a family, we're not great skiers, but we're learning. And obviously kids learn faster than the adults. Yeah. So after the first run, they're getting really bold and they're going in the trees and off the main trails. I told them right out, I'm not going in there. My skis are too long. I'm not going to get caught in those little itty bitty trails and the snow's not great. And I taught them a couple things. I said, look, if you're going on a trail on the right, right, even if you can't see mom and dad, where's the main trail and what direction do you have to come back in? And they said left. Good. Same thing. If you go on this way, if you go onto the trail on the left and you're in the forest, if you get stuck or lost or anything that happens, how do you get back to the main trail? Where is the main trail? Quiz them on back to the middle. It's like, cool. So we're skiing and whatnot, and we're coming up towards the end of the day and they sneak into this trail. So like, okay, no problem. I'm tracking them down the main trail and I completely lose them. I can't see them anymore. And I start screaming to see if I can get a response. They're not responding back. So I leave my wife at the entrance point and I go down to see where this pops out and it doesn't. So I'm like, oh shit, I've got a seven and a five year old stuck in the middle of the bush with waist high, soft snow. Did they wipe out? Are they lost? Are they trying to find a way? And I knew we would find them. I wasn't concerned with that. I just didn't know how long it would take. It could take an hour or two and I'd have to call patrol and they'd have to go in there. And at that point, you know, the kids might be freaking out. Like, they're probably losing their shit. So anyways, I ski down. I can't find a way. I finally find some patrol guys and we have to file this whole missing persons report. And they're about to send people back in there. And my wife's waiting and she's screaming and I'm screaming and we're trying to like figure it out. And then after about 30 minutes, which felt like an eternity, my wife said she saw my daughter getting close to the edge of the trail and finally screaming out and then found my wife and managed to kind of navigate her back. She's like, I lost Levine. My son, he fell down back there, but I lost him, but I knew I had to come out to the trail. So the whole point of we finally found my boy and he came out, he's crying and then he was good and everything was fine. But a great example of like, if you can intentionally equip them and teach them before a situation happens, that when a situation happens, they're going to be put through a hard time. And I couldn't save them. 
I couldn't send a helicopter. I couldn't burn the forest down to come find them. They had to find their way out. And fortunately they did. And the whole ordeal ended up taking three hours or whatever. But back to exactly what you're saying, Taylor, like if we can impart and teach them knowledge so that when they get into those situations by default, they know how to respond. I think we've done our good job as a parent. So yeah, my kids are still alive, thankfully. (laughs) Another lesson to be learned. Yeah. All right. Well, if you could purchase one property in the Okanagan, what would it be? There's something on Lakeshore here down on the end. It's a piece of land that's got a little ravine flowing through it. It's everything we want. So it's got elevation, but it's lakefront. You have your own private beach cove, I think like 150 feet, so fairly big. I think that would be the next property if it made sense. The problem is land itself, I think it's selling for about $4 million, and then the build on top of that would be about ten. So we're looking at a $15 million investment, which is not something we're ready to do right now. Yeah. To me, it represents everything beautiful about the Okanagan. Like you're on the lake. You're 12 minutes from downtown Kelowna if you need it. You've got elevation to get a view. You've got your own private thing. You've got a ravine. You could build like multiple buildings on that property. And I think that was the draw for me coming here. Uh, Even where we live now had like non-negotiable was like a lake view, an elevated lake view, unobstructed. So I think that property kind of represents the Okanagan to us. Yeah. Well, and you're close to the Kelowna Real Estate Podcast recording studios. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So we can, we can do a lot more of these, a lot more. Easy. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, that, I come from Toronto. So and to get to anywhere is like an hour yeah. and a half drive. And so when I'm looking at my GPS and it's like 12 minute drive, I'm like, eh, that's no problem. That is nice too. Right? It's a beautiful drive. You're driving and it's like, you see the lake or the mountain. If you don't live in Kelowna, you don't get it. When I first moved here, I started mountain biking. People taught me how to mountain bike. I started mountain biking. And there was a guy who's an OG, born and raised here. He's 40 plus years old, born and raised here. And as we're bucking down a trail, he stops, hits his brakes. We all stop. And I'm like, dude, you okay? What happened? He goes, just taking in the views, man. (laughs) And I'm like, dude, you've been here for 41 years of your life. And he goes, never gets old. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't ever want what we have here to get old for me. Like my opinion, but like... This is Canada paradise. Like you don't get any better. So I'm glad to call it home. Agree. Yeah. Our opinion too. Yeah. <laughs> we just don't want too many people moving in here. Yeah. So it's got a lot of bad things about it here. <laughs> Thinking about moving. Stay away. Yeah. All right, Nick, what's the best thing you've ever spent a small amount of money on? I joke about this and I don't want this to sound pretentious at all. Yeah. So I apologize if it comes across any bit that way. You know, I have an executive assistant who's Outside my family and my friends is the most important person in the world to me. Absolutely phenomenal. And then I was introduced to this idea of a house manager. And I'm like, what is that? That I've heard that before. What is this? And a house manager basically takes care of everything in the home that takes you away from doing the things that you love. And so to me, I found that the greatest frustrations in my life, just necessary evils, like you got to do laundry, you got to wash the dishes, you got to run the errands, you got to change the tires on your car, you got to like, and I thought, what would life be like if I could eliminate everything I don't like about home ownership, but keep the best things about home ownership? And so a year and a half ago, two years ago, just after we moved here, we found and hired a house manager. I joke like she saved our marriage, <laughs> like because like, again, it's all the benefits of owning a home without the things you hate about owning a home. Like, I don't have to ever worry about changing the tires on my car. I play hockey on Friday nights. I know this sounds so stupid and so weird, but like, I hate packing my hockey bag. I hate it. <laughs> Phone and I videotape me packing my hockey bag once. I leave at 6.30 for hockey. By 6.15, I need my bags back. And now it is. It's just waiting for me there at 6.15 before I leave. Now, again, I know that sounds like what it does, but here's what I recognize in life. 
We have a limited number of days and I have a limited amount of energy I can spend in a day. And if I'm going to show up as the best father I possibly can and my best husband I possibly can and the best customer and the best business owner and the best leader that I possibly can, I have to stop doing shit I hate because that's the stuff that just drains me and kills me. So that was an absolute game changer for my wife and I, because now we can focus on being we want to be and putting our energy in things that feed us rather than take us away. That'd be nice because when I was a kid, I played hockey all the time and I don't know how many times I rolled up to the rink and I forgot my skate. See, you get it. See, you get it. <laughs> I help, like drive get like, it. five hours out of town to get there and realize I forgot my helmet. Right. My dad loved that. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually yeah. grooming a house manager right now. And I came up with the idea yesterday because I'm shoveling the snow up big white. Yes. My back's killing me. Of course. I, I've got a C6, C7 I need surgery on as well. I'm okay. For. Yeah. And my son's out there, he's two with a shovel. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. A couple more years and this yeah. is my replacement. And then this morning, you know, I always take the dog for the walk and he's always surprised every single morning when I'm taking the dog. And I'm like, you know what? Soon you can take the dog for the walk. Yeah. So I'm going to have my kids. Well, that's it. Well, however it is, like it doesn't matter how you get it done, yeah. right? But I think there is not enough intention put around protecting our energy. Yeah. Because like if I show up to dinner or if I pick up my kids and I had a shitty day because I was spending my energy doing shit I hated, who am I to my kids? Yeah. That version who's pissed off and frustrated and annoyed and snappy at them, like I'm not doing that to my children, right? So, and again, I know that's not within everybody's perspective, but it's just to get us to think like, are the things we can do that allow us to focus on the things we enjoy that feed us, that serve us, and then see, are there ways we could figure out one way or another how to delegate the things out that aren't the best for us? And, totally. You can take that on any, uh, on any scale, right? Yeah. If you hate doing your expenses as a real estate yes. agent, hire a bookkeeper. Yes. Like you just, there's Simple. little things that like, Simple. you could just... I don't know if where I heard this, maybe it was in a book, but it was uh, write down all the things you hate doing for your job in a day. Put those things in an ad and hire somebody to do all those things. Because it's Cause someone like, else's favorite yeah, thing. Yeah, somebody else's sort of, favorite thing to do. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of, it was kind of funny to look at that. And, yeah, my good friend Dan Martell wrote a book called Buy Back Your Time. Yeah. And the idea is not like, people think it means delegate. That's not what it means. So buy back your time means to offboard the things that don't allow you to be the best version of yourself. And when you can see it from that perspective, like if it's bookkeeping, you say, well, I can't afford a bookkeeper. Well, no, you could factor that in that you could pay certain people on a percentage of a deal that you close. Like there's creative ways to do it. He's got a whole formula. What's your buyback rate? What can you afford to spend on someone to help you with something and then stay within that window? But I think a lot of people are just afraid to delegate out because we're the talent. We have the knowledge. We have the skills. Yeah, but there's someone who knows how to run books better than you. So just let them do it. Yeah. Speaking of books, what's the best book or quote you have for us? Ooh, that's an interesting question because it's seasonal. Like it depends on what season you're in. The phase you are in your life, what's important to you? Like is it health or or whatever right now? I don't know why this has come to mind. So forgive me if it doesn't land with some people, but uh, Austin Kleon wrote a book called Steal Like an Artist. I don't know why it's coming to mind, but it had a profound impact on my life because the idea is... You could focus on curating the best things around you to produce the best result. Hence, steal like an artist, right? It's, it's this idea of just curate that which you have around you. Don't rely only on yourself to produce that result. And then you end up getting far better results, far faster, easier, more effective. Cool. Yeah, I haven't heard that one. No, I haven't either. Yeah. Well, there Very you go. Cool. Good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Nick, what's... Something we or our audience can do to help you up? Oh, well, that's a very generous question. Well, if you're in the world of any sort of interest in marketing, 
there's two ways that you can reach out. One is work with Nick NIC.com, work with NIC.com, and we can have a conversation about what you're doing in your business and see if we can help you. And if we can't help you, we point you into a right direction. Or if you're more of a person who just likes to read and get some latest marketing information, I have a newsletter that goes out every Thursday morning called The Bottom Line. It's free, nicholaskuzmich.co.co. You get a free copy of my book called Give, and you get on the newsletter, you get some great information there on a weekly that costs you nothing. So any one of those two things would be of great service to both. It makes a win-win for everybody involved. And what about your social media? What are you most active on? Right now, we're playing on Instagram the most. Yeah. So fortunately, I'm the only, oddly enough, Nicholas Kuzmich in the entire world. Wow. Which makes it easy to find if you know how to spell my name. <laughs> if you don't know how to spell my name, man, it's Double yeah, super difficult. <laughs> but yeah, Instagram is where I'm doubling down this year and next year on Instagram to see the role that it plays. Yeah. I'm the person who says, give yourself a year at something. And if it gets you the result and the joy and you're happy with it and great, both ROI and ROE. So ROI is return on investment. ROE is return on effort. Both are just as important to me. If I get a good ROI and ROE, I keep going. If I don't, I shift. But Instagram seems to be where I'm going to put some attention nice. last year and this year. So we'll see. I love that you said spend a year on it because Taylor and I started 2023 on this podcast. Good on you because I think a lot of people will say like, hey, I give myself like three months to try something. It's like you won't know in three months. Yeah, like yeah. you need to give yourself a year at anything. Yeah. So kudos on and congratulations on a year on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're quitting now. We're yeah. done. Maybe. It, yeah. Well, then good. Then I can be your last. Yeah. Yeah. Good way to go. No, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for your time, man. It's been no, amazing. thank you, guys. This has been great. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Kelowna Real Estate Podcast. Be sure to reach out and let us know how else we can add value to your Kelowna real estate journey. Please show some support by hitting the like, share, and subscribe button. This is sponsored by Matt Glenn Real Estate and Taylor Adventure Mortgages.